when you drive down like Portland streets, if you go to downtown, uh, how many closed businesses do you see? I mean, <laughs> leases up or out of here. Like, like shuttered lights are dark, wood over the walls and like the windows. In other cities, it's very common to have parts of town shut down and business move to different areas, but Portland is still thriving. All these places that say that they have um, leases available are, are all kind of booked. Okay. I notice a lot of empty buildings out here, like in the suburbs. Downtown, mid-downtown, I see a lot of businesses leaving, but I, I think they're mostly relocating. Um. Portland's kind of a bad example because of all the civil unrest we had. Right. I, I think that's kind of what I'm, I'm pointing to is is so many places have lost small businesses. And in the middle of downtown Portland, you have yeah civil unrest, protests, things that will basically drive away business. The homeless, uh, specifically people in the Oregonian, have pointed that out as driving away business. Well, there's been a problem in the Pearl District um, way before the riots, way before all that, where to lease space for a restaurant, these high-end restaurants, the lease is so expensive because the value of the real estate that the even these high-end five-star, four-star restaurants can't make a profit because the lease is so high. The cost of doing business is just too high. Right. Um, so to bring in a little bit of statistics here, um, I went to the Wall Street Journal for this. They said um, 200,000 small businesses shuttered their doors in the first year of COVID. According to the vice president, uh, Kamala Harris, that's up to about of one third of all small businesses now. So if you look at the timeline of COVID, we have now gotten to the point where, you know, 33% of all businesses, small businesses, small American like mom pop shops um you know little bookstores on the corner they've all like closed their doors so my question to you as someone who has decided to start a small business is that kind of like walking into the casino and seeing everyone lose at the table like you see like a craps table on fire and you you put your chips on that <laughs> um the motivate yes <laughs> and the problem is well, how it's different from gambling is that there's all kinds of uh, at least you know the rules in gambling okay in small business there's way more moving parts and there's way more moving people okay so it's a lot harder to get data and to make decisions when you say um, knowing the game that is actually a, a good way to phrase it you've started businesses before yes I have um, and I had one and I had a construction company in Seattle that did very well and we had our ups and downs in the beginning but then it was outrageously successful and then it became I like to brag about this story because it I got fired from a company that I started that was named after me <laughs> <laughs> Is that, uh, I didn't know that part is that still around no, no okay it's not. <laughs> so it's that, hard to do you have to really be a jackass <laughs> to get fired from your own named company. Uh, what's the name of our podcast again? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> totally joking. So, in your opinion, um, how will this turnaround be different? I'd like to think 
that we learn from our mistakes, that we're a little older, a little richer, a little wiser, and we're not going to make the same mistakes we've made before. Personally, I think there's as many dangers in success as there is in failure. When you're failing, you, you get afraid and you make mistakes. That, that's a problem. But when you get successful, you get kind of arrogant, cocky. Okay. Kind of start using and abusing people sometimes. And I think it's human nature to take people for granted once you get successful and downplay what they did and um, focus more on your own brilliance. Right. We've talked about how people who are successful almost by like default go to the rags to riches narrative. Um, so when your company takes off this time, I want you to tell everybody that you came from nothing. You started in a garage. <laughs> um, well, Forbes has a list of key questions every business should ask themselves uh, before they launch, basically. Um, as well as we have some key statistics from LegalZoom about small businesses. So I was wondering, are you willing to um, basically come under under fire for us today? Are you willing to walk us through the process of starting a small business? Absolutely. Okay. Um, and a lot of our listeners today, uh, anyone who is into self-awareness, self-improvement, specifically anyone who wants to make it as an American, has either thought of or um, will at some point start a small business. I'm going to quote Tom Cruise in Risky Business, which is somebody had to invent the tiny little plastic tags on the ends of shoelaces. So why can't that be us? I like that. I think I like the one. Um, there's as many different ways to make a million dollars as there is millionaires. Right. Well said. You're listening to The Reengineered You. This is a podcast about self-empowerment and all the myths, lies, and misconceptions we tell ourselves. Then, we use science and history to bust those myths and re-engineer a better you. I'm your host, Todd Laments, the extrovert. And I'm the writer, researcher, and introvert, Joe Anthony, whose job it is to dig through the outer layer of no-duh on the internet and get to the facts. It's every American's dream to quit their stupid job, tell their stupid boss where to go, and start their own business and become outrageously successful. We have some myths to dispel about starting your own business. Myth one, when is the perfect time to start a small business? Is there a perfect time? Is it better to just take the leap and sew your parachute on the way down? Myth two, only wealthy people can start a small business, right? Or loan experts, if you're neither, then enjoy being the CEO of all that nothing. Myth three, how much is the new business owner expected to do for themselves? Should I do the finance myself, the hiring, the firing? We're gonna get to our myths, but first I wanna ask Joe if he's ever thought about starting a small business. I think because of the way my mind works, I assume all people who start a small business are going to open a brick and mortar, like a shop of some sort. In my mind, it's always like you have to be wearing suspenders, you have to be stressed, <laughs> and you have to have something physical in windows. So I'm going to start a woodworking business where everything wobbles. You're like a, 
<laughs> you're like an Amish, right? Right, exactly. Very, very old school. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what it'll the business will be called. Everything wobbles. To be fair, the, your wedding gift to me wobbles. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, I've been able to fix that. It's, just, it's no. a very nice side table. That Fully constructed. The, <laughs> the day of the wedding, I set it down and it it wobbled. I think the warranty work would kill your business. <laughs> just initial sales would be fine, but everyone bring that shit back. Yeah, I would. I would have a um a contract that I send out with everybody. That's like you understand that this wobbles, right? Okay, so jokes aside, I um. If I'm going to start a business someday, I'm coming to Todd today to like, you know, pick his brain, know what not to do, walk through these steps maybe. So first I want to start by asking, um, when's a good time to start a business? Like, how did you know now was the time? I'm this, this is a tough one. You know, billionaires get richer during recessions, right? It's good to start businesses when things are slow because things are more affordable. But I think if you have less resources, it's better to be in kind of a booming economy. So the business I picked in is construction. And right now is the, probably one of the hottest times in I could ever remember my lifetime for construction. So I think that's a good time if you don't have a lot of resources. I think if you have less resources or if you have lots of resources, anytime's good. Right. And that's kind of the key, too, is can you hang in there when things get tough? Right. That's when you need to have the larder full. That's when you need the resources to, you know, be able to last the winter. Um, and you're not going to be in this alone. If you think you're just going to do this all on your own, you're you're doomed. You're going to have to surround yourself with good people, people that you hire or people that you consult or and even good customers. You need good customers. You need a little bit of luck, too. Okay. So start a business when you know there is some sort of demand and then have a lot of good friends? Yes. People who are not like you. you got to be careful with too much of the rah-rah. There can be a lot of people slapping you on the back. They Like starting all businesses winning the lottery. And it's actually the, <laughs> the exact it's the opposite. opposite. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a endless muddy pit right if it's, if it's poorly managed we did um an episode uh about uh finding mentors and, and business partners and it talked about exactly that that you want somebody who thinks different than you so they can see your blind spots and this is another one too we, we've done uh you'll remind me of the, of the story but the best mentors are not the, the people who've been doing it 30 years Right. They're, um, according to, what was it, Harvard Business, it was people who are about six months ahead of you, six months to a year. And that's a hard thing to grasp. So let's say you work for your, your father and he's been in this business 40 years and you're getting all the fruits, all the good seeds he's planted for so many years, you don't realize that. And when you start your own business with zero reviews and zero of those great employees they had, um, it might be a little tougher than it looks. Right. If we can go back to the beginnings, the statistics, um, do you see the uh, the Statista um, graph that we dropped into the um, into the doc? I do. Um, this is a graph from Statista, and it's the number of small businesses established less than a year old in the United States. So basically, new businesses. Now this 
graph goes from March of 1994 to March of 2020. So it goes into COVID. Um, and if you notice on this graph, something changes in 2006. In 2006, you know, we're tracking, you know, more than 700,000 small businesses. And then right after that, 2007, 2008, things start to dip precipitously, especially in 2008. That's when we are in prime recession territory. Um, it dips all the way down. You know, it, we lose down to, you know, 550,000 small businesses. So it takes at least 150,000 businesses with it. And then it starts climbing back up again. We return to pre-recession levels. And then 2018, it keeps going up. And then during COVID, the thing I, I could not have expected or guessed in a thousand years, it hockey sticks up. It goes so far up. So I need to ask you, because I thought if you had made me, you know, if you had sat me down and said all the money you've saved the past couple of years, bet me, you know, did small business increase or decrease during COVID? I would have told you we're a shipwreck of a country. All of the small businesses went away. We're doomed. No one's starting new businesses. It's the opposite. We're up to 800,000, which is more than ever. And so I'm I'm here to ask Todd, what the hell is going on? What do I, as a, as a, uh, a you know, somebody who's never started their own small business, what am I not seeing? I think this ties right in with the great resignation. I think people are being worked between texts, emails, and not living wages to the point where they're like, I can't do this anymore. This is not sustainable, the stress. I have to do my own thing. Okay. And I think that this COVID helped because of that assistant money from the government. People were actually timed to got out of work, got to rest, and got to dream and kind of get a plan. And without that break, I don't think they would have had the energy to even do it. It is very hard to sit at your computer and think about starting a small business and look up the things you need to know if you are busy in a, you know, flipping burgers or going to a, a call center job that is just going to keep you, you know, busy all the time. Starting a small business is a million tiny steps and a million tiny decisions. And the decisions are all very important for how you brand yourself, how you name yourself, who does your website, who you work with. There's so many things that can go wrong. Of course, there's things that can go right. But with zero experience, a lot of times, you're, you're going to do the first 10, 20 steps probably two or three times until you get them right. How much of those first 20 steps can be gotten out of the way with like just good internet research? Most. Yeah, I would say most. Um, it, the problem you go into, I think when you start looking at a small business, you don't look at it, you look at it like a lottery winning. You start counting about making the hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> you don't think about making thousands. You think about making millions. Right. And just because someone in North Carolina did a similar business and made a certain amount of money, that has no relevance to your life and your situation. And you don't know their whole story. Maybe they are just taking over their mother's, father's company that has been established for 40 years. Right. Do you think it's, um, if everyone who 
went and stayed home during COVID and dreamed up a new Etsy business, a new, um, you know, uh, an internet business of some sort, even if they, you know, make the same amount as their old crappy job, their, their grueling grind job, do you think they win in the end if they, you know, even if they break even, even if it's, you know, just a little bit less than what they were making? I think it's usually, you know, a little feast or famine. I think they're either going to make less than they made at their job and be so stressed out um, from the financial strain or they're going to do so much better that, and I have a couple examples of these. I, I used to work with this guy. He used to sell women's shoes at the mall. And the store was Myron Frank. And there was this guy, after work, he wanted to be a private investigator. And that's what he would do after work. He, the guy never slept. He'd get in his van, he'd follow around um, cheating spouses, and he'd go to courts and deliver die. He was just always working. And five years later, he has one of the biggest practice, PI practices, and he does a lot of famous ca- cases in the Northwest. And he made, you know, way more money than he would ever have made selling shoes. Right. And I also knew a, a bartender, and he he was a Hispanic guy, and he started buying one car at a time, and he started selling them to his friends who had moved up from California, and he'd let them make the payments to him. Well, he went from being a bartender at Applebee's to having a very big auto finance company where he was making 20% interest on uh, lots of on lots of money. His ROI was off the charts. So he became a very successful banker. <laughs> okay. Those are great stories because they both kind of demonstrate doing something you love and there's a demand for and doing it after hours, doing it in a way where it's like clearly you have an inkling to do it, you know, when you're not on the clock. And two people with zero experience in that. Right. They didn't come from, no one showed them how to do it. They, like you said, saw something, saw something that they had a genuine interest in, something that they would be passionate about. And I think that's another problem too, is when you start a small business, there's this misconception myth that if it's something you really love, you'll never work another day. Well, when you start putting stress and deadlines and clients and it gets stressful and it could take the joy out of whatever you think you used to love, it becomes a job. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely does. Now, am I happy to be doing it compared to my regular job? I absolutely am. It is so much better than working at a call center or something like that. So you will take the thing you love and turn it into business, but it still might be better than you know, grinding somebody else's business. Um, how late did you start your first, um, when you launched your first business? How, what, what age were you? I did one when I was 25, 35, and now in my elderliness. Okay. I'm pushing 50. Oh, well, you were a very early starter. Um, the, the national average of entrepreneurship is 42. Well, there's something to be, I probably get some resources. There's something to be said for a certain amount of people have a problem with authority. <laughs> that could be it, too. You know, so at some point you say, you know what? <laughs> I've been getting fired. I'm not getting along with the bosses. I need to be the, I need to be in charge. I need to leave to be making the decisions. Right. There's also something to be said about, you said finances. Like you, you probably won't have enough money together until you're, you know, middle years anyway to start a business. 
And at 25, I was in a relationship with someone who was a successful business person who was eight years older than me who helped fund that. Without them, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask this knowing the answer already. What is your college degree in? I do not have a business degree from Harvard, if that's what you're going. Okay. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> if that isn't obvious already. Yeah, I'm not picking on Todd. We have had <laughs> episodes about college degrees. Um, a college degree uh, or college education is becoming less common uh, among entrepreneurs in the U.S. Did you uh, know about this? No, I did not. Okay. Oh, all these CEOs are telling people to hate college, right? They send their kids to college and yeah, <laughs> they went to college. Right. But they hate college. Oh, you don't need a degree. It's the Elon Musk thing, right? Yeah, they bash on college. Actually, um, I did hear in the news, like a, literally a couple weeks ago, he he stopped having college degrees required at his businesses. Like he actually put it on paper that, you know, you could just come in and, and tell them where you've worked and what you've done. Like they've, make it, they've made it more accomplishment based, apparently. Now, that is just off of headlines. We'd have to poke into it. Um, but in the U.S., about 56% of people who were self-employed in 2019 were people with college degrees, and that is down from 60% in 2018 and 64% in 2017. So every year it seems to like creep down a bit. People are getting more and more confident without having a degree that, yeah, we can start something. I think, um, you know, talk, you talk about legal Zoom websites the internet has made everything more affordable and more convenient so it's kind of dared you um to open your own thing right absolutely more resources quicker and, and cheaper which it wasn't like that before you know in the olden days if you were let's just say you were in the public speaking and you wanted to self-publish a book there was no amazon you had to spend a hundred thousand dollars to get your book out <laughs> right you didn't have to you didn't spend eight hundred dollars so and that's great, except it muddies the water. And there's right. lots and lots. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people who might be in your space. And the the lower the buy-in is, the more money it's going to be. The more people are going to be the more flooded. Yeah, investors and um, there used to be gatekeepers for most businesses. Uh, you mentioned publishing an editor would take you on and pay you if if they thought you were good enough and if they thought you were good enough you'd probably make some money back now you said it muddies the water anybody can start a business which means their product can be anything from a shoddy piece of worksmanship that will give you splinters to something finely crafted and you'll buy it off etsy um okay so i'm gonna if you're okay with it i want to talk about the motivation of business I want to talk about um, the Forbes questions I mentioned. Um, and these are, we're going to skip some of these. Most most of these, I'll tell you what the questions are so you can look up the Forbes article. We will definitely link off to this. But it really kind of walks you through, you know, your motivation to start a business and things that you should know before you launch, basically. So question one, why did you want to start a business? I can't... Um, stay in the industry that I'm in because it's it's just become so oversaturated. I'm making the same money now in my business, the salary and the and the commission structure is the same as it was in two th in 1999. 
and we know everything's gotten more expensive. <laughs> right. And now it's, it used to be you'd have the same years for five, seven years, and then people go to a different company. Now you're seeing six months at a company. The, the expectations for the position are just unreasonable. So the stress level and the work level for the pay is just, it's not fair and it's not sustainable lifestyle. I'll cut this next question out of the episode if you want, but I remember um, Todd and I were in the car and uh, we started talking about a position Todd was offered as a, you know, a, a manager somewhere. And the money he quoted to me sounded ridiculous to me, like it was a lot. And then I asked, why not take the job? And you mentioned that there were so many extra steps that they required that position. You, you had mentioned specifically paperwork, that they had turned it into something that you had to like, not just manage people, but you had to process so much online that it was a guaranteed burnout position that they knew putting somebody in that position would burn them. Well, and I, and I went to the place and talked to the people and I heard a horror story that happened the day before. One of the managers in the same position who was 10 years my junior had actually fainted from stress at work. Right. <laughs> I mean, we were, <laughs> I didn't know people fainted anymore. That's that's only yeah. To my knowledge, that was only in movies until you told me about that. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't do it. You know, the writing's on. And that's another thing. If you think owning your own business is you're going to be the boss, it's exact opposite. You work for your employees, whoever you're selling things to, your vendors, your advertisers, and your days are going to become a lot longer. There's no. Uh, clocking out and just getting a paycheck at your own business. You work until you pass out at midnight or one in the at one in the morning. Right. You get that late email. You respond to it to at least let them know that you you're listening and you've seen it. Um, a couple of questions we're going to skip because we basically already answered them. Can this business idea make me money? Uh, who is my target audience? Um, the, here's one that I want to ask Todd specifically because we are talking about. We are in a year where millennials are all trying to buy houses at once because they're all starting their families now and COVID just happened. Um, so there is so much demand for housing. Who are your competitors right now? How are you going to survive in the, the wilds of business? For me, it's for identifying them and they're not that hard to find. You know, you know who the top three or four are. And I think you got to pick the one that the big one. The big boy or girl on the block, they're not a threat to them. Modeling them does not do you any good because you don't have the resources. You're not established as them. So find a company that's being successful um, a few years in, and then you model. You look at where they're advertising. You look at where they're hiring. Um, if you can get any of their people, that's great. <laughs> you know, So you got to go on a full-on uh, spy mission to figure out. Stock them. Okay. Best practices, right? We'll just do exactly what they did. We should get a similar result. Yeah. Would looking into other businesses' uh, past and their histories help? Like if you were looking at a business that was established for 10 years, would it help if you could find you know information about them when they got started? I think anything, anything you can, you just... You have to figure out what you can be profitable into. Um I think businesses are really about the people. I think the companies with the best, smartest, harder working people 
do the log, and that, and you always want to have a company where there's not a lot of turnover, right? That's what you want to model, right? You want to see what are they doing that they're absolutely able to keep their people because now it's everything, because everyone just gets up and quits. We still have a lot of questions to go, but um, it kind of sounds like we have a theme already, which is, it sounds like a good business model is about keeping people and making them happy and and having a good team. Um, how are you marketing your business? That is a you know, again Forbes question. Um, I am very big at advertising. I, I think it's great. Um, in the construction business, a lot of the people are. Um, they'll, they'll say things like, well, we don't advertise, you know, all we get all, all customers find us. It's all word of mouth, total bullshit. Those same companies that say that have Google ads up. So this is what I advertise. I advertise on Google ads. I have a website just launched a radio commercial and I have that targeted for news talk radio. And the reason we do news talk radio and not the radio stations that play regular music is People, we've trained ourselves now that when the commercials come on, we change the station or we tune it out. Right. But talk radio, much like our podcast show, we leave a hook when they go to a commercial. So they give the the reason to listen to say, okay, can you believe this happened in the Ukraine? You believe the president said this, and this is what's going. This is the ramifications of that. And so everyone's listening in. These people who are into the news. <laughs> So that goes into studying the demographics, right? We want people who can afford our services. Okay. So on our episode where we're talking, we had an episode about um, building houses out of trash and how there was a current housing crisis. Um, that would have been a good episode to sneak in an ad for your business, Todd, if we had just been like, are you ready to you know, build a trash house? Well, if you want to do the insulation well, call Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how big of a chunk of your starting budget was um, all that advertising? Everything you think is going to cost, let's just say a thousand dollars, plan on it costing about nine grand. Okay. So you have to times everything by eight or nine. <laughs> so more than I care to disclose. Okay. And let's face it, advertising is a weird thing, Joe. It's, it isn't like building a table especially when you're into digital advertising, you really have to keep your eye on that or you could end up spending an unlimited amount of money in a very short amount of time. Okay. So you should, any any type of online advertising, you should put a cap and... Yeah, and you can. You can set the daily limits, but you just want to, you really need to really get your head around early on what your cost per lead is. Okay. I remember I saw this speech years ago. It was from Bill Gates, and, and it was about how to make money. And I thought he was going to be this techie. You know, the guy's a billionaire and all this. All he talked about, he said, all business is, is is cost per lead. How much does it cost for you to get a customer? And I thought for him to take that painfully simple approach shows that that really is what it's all about. You already answered their question number 10 on the Forbes list. Can I do this alone? Um, and then the next question is how many employees will you need? What resources do you have? So a lot of these questions are about building a team. So how would you attract the best people? I don't start by looking for employees. Okay. This is just in my experience with writing online. I start by collaborating. I find people who I respect and I look at their work 
and I asked them, hey, do you want to work on something together? Mutually beneficial. And if I like how they work, then I will keep asking them to do things with me until at some point we have a like a business worked out. Um, so basically, I work with good people who I respect, and then I slowly turn that into a business partnership. I always get frustrated with jobs, um, whether it be hiring, and, and their pay is so low. But they'll want somebody with five years experience in that. <laughs> and you're like, well, someone with five years experience is going to make a lot more than that. So not only do you want them to come work for you, let's say it's just for the same money. <laughs> Why would they? Right. But you're asking them to come for a dramatic haircut. It's like, are you fucking serious? Right. I think you have to pay more when you're new. And I think there's a certain security in that. Like you've been in your career 15, you've been in the same employer 15 years. I think that people feel comfortable with someone who's been able to pay them for 15 years. Right. <laughs> going to take a risk on some new guy who says, we're going to be the best ever and you're going to be so successful. Does it, uh, okay, if you go to a call center that employs 100 people, it really does feel like you are just a peon, you are, you are carrying the platform that the emperor is sitting on um when you hire somebody todd as a small business does it feel like what i'm talking about more does it does it feel more like you're building partnerships it's a great word uh partner and that's what i'm gonna ask you i'm gonna throw that back at you but the only great thing about being the boss is you get to pick the people you work with and at your current job now you can't do that so you can recognize things in people and say okay, i can use you for this you would be a good fit for this how do you feel about dividing up your business for an employee? Would you give them a percentage of your dream, your company, the name, if they're going to make you profit? Would you rather have all of something small or half of something big? That is actually something I've discussed recently. Uh, I've I've talked about. Um, so I'm I'm currently working on a website. Um, my uncle's helping me program it, and it's for script writers and it's for you know it's for paid work and i made the decision to pay more than they do out of their percentage because the the creative people are doing the work they're posting it to the platform i'm building hopefully and i would rather see them take a larger chunk and have that sort of loyalty and habit form with me rather than take it elsewhere so i've to to answer that question i absolutely would rather give somebody part ownership even if it's a little bit to secure that partnership. I think that's wise. I think you have to, I think as humans, we want to hoard even <laughs> our dream, right? Oh, I now ask me if I had the instinct to try to give them as little as possible and, and hoard that and keep that all to myself. It's like, this, this is my genius. I don't want to share it. Exactly. This is going to be worth millions. Why would I give you a witty lottery ticket? Right. Another problem with that is, if someone gets too much power control, and I've had this, their ego can get the best of them. And you think, oh, I took you in, I paid you more than you did your old job. I made you a manager, you weren't a manager of the other job, and now you're being a total jerk. And now I can't control you. You won't listen to me. That's kind of frustrating. Right. Um, too many captains of the ship, right? Yeah. 
leaders who start something will oftentimes think the thing they, the business they run, the club they start, that they are that business, that it's not just something they have, you know, birthed, spawned, built, fed. They think it's a reflection of them. So they get to run it and, you know, tell everybody how they're allowed to participate in this pie. Um, so I, I assume that in small business, the same carries over that at some point you have to give up a little chunk of it to keep the right kind of you know, loyalty to keep those partnerships flourishing. And I think it's you need some real self-awareness of, of where what you're personally lacking. And some of these are fairly obvious. You know, either you're good at paperwork or you're not. Or, But there has to be a level of trust with, when you talk about your own finances. And if a business goes under, you lose almost everything. <laughs> right. It isn't just a paycheck. You could lose your relationships. You can lose where you live. The stakes are high. That is not something on our Forbes list of questions, but I will ask it. Um, I hear of people starting small businesses and then they put more and more on the line to save it. Like they, they will mortgage their house. They will put up vehicles. They will risk relationships. How much are you willing to push your chips in, hypothetically? I have done that. You know, you get an SBA loan and they attach it to your house. So the SBA loan terms are great. But again, when things go south and you're not making any salary, um, the stress on my marriage, I would back down and bow out and take my losses, whether it's 20, 40, 80,000 before I would lose my house or my wife. Hopefully you know what's happening. <laughs> Sometimes okay. things can happen before you know it. So you've you've learned how much to gamble, but then what's happened? Let's say it's hard once your emotions are in. Yeah, if you get it going and you've already put, let's just say seventy five thousand dollars in, and you think if I just put another twenty and we're going to make it, we're going to be successful. When do you know? How do you know when to quit? When is it time to put up the white flag? White flag. And there are so many stories, like success stories, that get touted as good examples, where it's like, oh, this person. You know, uh, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, put in all of his money or, or you know, yeah, it's uh, noble, right? Like it means you're committed. You burn the like the Romans, you burn your boats and then you'll right. succeed. That's not necessarily true. <laughs> right. If your cost per lead is screwed up, you've got the wrong people. You've made some marketing mistakes. This could be an endless money pit. I can't remember. Uh, there was there was a Freakonomics episode about how many businesses get started and the members like we hold people up on pedestals when they take that risk but they were taking a look at in Freakonomics like how many small businesses actually had side plans and they found that so many people who started really successful businesses they all had outs they all had back doors they had they had that's, that's exact opposite of what strategies you planned <laughs> ride yeah. or die yeah yeah, it doesn't make for a good story when somebody's like, no, I, I strategized how much I was willing to risk. And that's another thing. You don't know the other person you're competing with, their resources. You know, again, they could say, I started this business myself and their parents are pumping money into it. So they can stay in the game longer. So eventually they're going to win out. Whoever can stay in the longest usually wins. Right. So... My final question for you, 
when will I be ready to start a business? Or when will you? Like, how do you know when you are ready? There's something to be said for being brave and actually trying something. What's that old, you don't want to go to the grave and say, what if? Yeah. And you never tried. Jack Canfield, the, the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, used to say this. If you're waiting for seven doves to fly over your head as a sign from God, <laughs> the right time to start is always, what, five years ago. God, I wish I would have done this five years ago. <laughs> yeah, the best time to start is right now. It's not going to get easier. You're not going to have more resources. You're just going to be old and more tired. You're never going to have the energy and the drive that you do today. That is a good way to put it. But, um yeah, energy level, your readiness is oftentimes just tied to how educated you are on the subject. So look things up, but, you know, go into it aware, but overly cautious, not so much. And you've got to take some risks. I mean, if, you, if you're the carpenter who measures too much, you're going to have to cut and you're going to have to get going. So I want to pitch you a couple more business ideas. And, and these are winners, so I, I don't want you to, like, make me feel too bad about these. I'm going to hire actors with foil blankets and, like, those little paper cups for Gatorade, like they have for jogging, except they just stand outside of bathrooms. So they, they like, whoever comes out of the bathroom next, they just put a foil blanket around their, their shoulders and a Gatorade cup. And it's kind of like ritzy clubs downtown where they just, th- then they just expect a $5 bill. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. have those guys in the bathrooms at nightclubs. Um, another one I'm thinking about is uh, converting used storits, like the, the storage places we've talked about, to people storits. So we just convert them to apartments. I think they probably already do that in Tokyo, right? This last one, I really, if it doesn't exist already, it's going too soon. We take um, chatbots text-to-speech chatbots that will just have a nothing meaningless conversation we sell those paired to children's cb radios like those walkie talkies that you sell to kids so they can talk to each other except the walkie talkie just goes to a chatbot so it just keeps up a conversation with them for as long as they'll hold down that button bottled all this oh it's still recording oh (laughs) um i think you should stick to writing (laughs) <laughs> and you should scrap all these ideas and do something that you're truly great at okay uh, I guess I'll take the advice you've been listening to the re-engineered you thank you so much for listening to the show you mean the world to us we have a new episode every week you can connect with us at www.re-engineeredu.com That's where we have research links, show notes, feedback, and blog articles for each of our episodes. We're not experts in anything, but we've got an opinion on everything. Mm